Kaza, man, it's been a long time, man, since, since it, it, well, it feels like a really long time since we've been on, man, two whole weeks. Yeah. But, but what if I would have told you that the Charlotte Hornets are the number four you team in the East? You're lying. You are right? a liar. I don't believe like, like, like before before this season, if I would have said, hey, man, I'm predicting we're going to be a four seed next season, what would you have said? I would say, crazy, man. We don't, we won't even make the playoff, the play-in game. <laughs> I'm a, look, man, it's a long way to go. But so far, I'm looking bad. I, I was on Vashti's show saying that, hey, man, I don't know if we could sneak in the playoffs or not. But here we are. Anyway, welcome, y'all. We're back after two very long weeks. It's been two very tumultuous weeks, and we're still down one. Rodney, get better soon, brother. But I am Jamal, the angry black fan, and to my right is Mr. Casa Sose. What's going on there? Uh, you know, it's uh, I, I don't like moral victories in sports, so I can't be. I'm not too mad at today, but um, we'll see, we'll see how the rest of Sunday goes. Look, man, but but when the momentum gets snatched, you got to take it how you can get it, man. I, that's that's all I'm going to say for now. Just in case anyone was under a rock today and you did not follow, the Hornets just dropped one to the Suns, 101 to 97, um, a game in which we were down uh, at the very at, at that by 16 at one point, man. Uh, Devontae Graham looked like he would not let us lose today, but unfortunately. The Charlotte Hornets still come away with a very, very tight loss and somewhat of a controversial loss, at least in my opinion. Cause before I go on my rant, man, what tell me what your thoughts on the game today, man? Um, the Hornets deserve to win that game. I, that's how I feel. I know a lot of people might say um, otherwise because the Hornets did have they had twenty turnovers. That, you know, that's been the bane of the Hornets' existence all season. It's is turnovers, but I felt like. They played Phoenix to a standstill. If you didn't know the names of those teams and you just saw them playing, you could not tell me definitively which which one of those teams had the second best record in the NBA. You couldn't, right. you couldn't do it or in the, right. in the conference. They played Phoenix very evenly. Uh, they had the, the big plays, clutch plays near the end. The refs tried to rook them. I, I'm surprised Borrego gets rooked far too often by the refs especially considering he normally gets challenges correct. Um, I, there are some big plays that I, I – if I'm the Rago, I'm throwing on a clipboard. Listen, man, I, I don't know if this is a popular thing to say, but I've always said this to myself, man. I, I, I really want Borrego to start getting more technical fouls. Like, yeah. I, I, I really want him to start really getting in these referees' faces after some of this stuff, man. I mean, and today was – that, that Miles Bridges alley-oop layup, that he was fouled on by Chris Paul that they didn't give him continuation. Any other, for, if that's LeBron James, that's an and one. That's an and one. If that's hell, if that's Devin Booker, that's an and one. But because it was Miles Bridges and Chris Paul, who let me real quick blur about Chris Paul. Nobody gives a shit if you're from North Carolina. Nobody here likes him off on The coolest thing he did was, you know, scoring the 61 points when his grandfather died and missing the free throw on purpose when he was in high school. That's great. But as far as an NBA player, I don't like the dude because he will manipulate the game outside of what's actually happening on the court in order to get right. it. And I get it. He's a crafty vet. But that should have been an and one from Miles Bridges, and it might have been the difference of the game. Plus, dubious, dubious non-call on the goaltend on the very final shot of the game, although I didn't think that was a great shot anyway. But right. um, I, I, that was just a, a close, tough game. But I think it, it it proved something, that the Hornets can hang with anyone in the league, something that we'd always been kind of uh, iffy about. Yeah. That they, could, they could play the big boys. And, uh, man, before today's show, man, I, I really, you know, tried to kind of make it a point to, to tell ourselves, like, we don't want to talk about the referees too much, man. But at the same time, dude, it's so hard not to because of that that one play. I mean, that's I a five-point five swing on that one play. Oh, yeah. We go from a possible three-point play to Terry Rozier missing the two and them going down scoring two. That's a five-point swing, man. Yeah, I I don't see how you don't get that call at home. 
If, if we were in Phoenix, I could say, well, you know, on the road. But um, yeah, cool. I'm, I'm perplexed. And you know what's gonna happen? The two minute report is gonna come out tomorrow, and it's gonna right. say, "Hey, we got it wrong." Okay. Yeah, sorry, our bad. And all goaltending on the last play. Uh, sorry, Hornets. We know we do this to you all. <laughs> sorry, guys. But then there was another one, man, where, um, you know, they inbound the ball. We get the steal. Terry Rozier has the ball. Terry Rozier gets bulldozed. And Jay Crowder does his best Luke Keekly impression, and there's no call, man. I, I just – Yeah. I, I just it, it just puzzles me how other teams get these kind of ticky-tack calls against us. But obvious stuff doesn't go our way, man. It's just kind of puzzling to me, man. Yeah. Having said that, the Hornets could have made life – certain players on the Hornets could have made life a lot easier for the team. I agree. P.J. Washington, gosh, man. I, no show today. Offensively, no show. Um, Gordon Hayward's in a shooting slump. Yeah. Uh, he had 15 points, and he – you know, it, Gordon Hayward makes tough shots, but lately he hasn't been able to make the tough shots, and that's been the difference. I think he went for yeah. the team. Uh, today, Bismack Biombo, he got yeah. hit. Borrego just pulled him and was like, "Man, sit your ass down." Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, and we got to talk about Devonte Graham. Yeah, he giveth and he taketh away. Where he made possibly the worst decision of the game. Yeah, uh, with the game on the line. I know he was hot, but Devonte Graham is not good enough a ISO player to. Make that play in that situation. Terry wow. here, the most clutch guy on the team, is right there. The Hornets live and die by assisting in ball movement. Do that instead yeah. of you know taking a bad shot at the end of the game. And speaking of assisting in ball movement, man, it becomes that much more important when you when you when you're down two playmakers. No Malik Monk today. Lamelo is obviously out. Malik Monk. I thought Malik Monk being out was big, was huge today, man. Yeah. Um. You know, if you if you recall, man, in the second quarter there was a big. Well, matter of fact, in the second quarter and in the third quarter there was like some huge just scoring droughts. You know what I mean? And and Malik Monk being in that spot could have really helped us out today, man. And assisting ball movement just becomes that much more important when you're down two playmakers. You know what I mean? You had PJ Washington trying to make a bunch of plays. We know how that works out uh, most of the time. That happens. 0 for 7 today, um, um, two turnovers. Uh, Devontae Graham and Rosier, four turnovers each, man. LaMelo Ball and Malik Monk being out, man. I, I thought that killed us today, honestly, man. Well, I, I will say that uh, Miles Bridges finally – Woke up? No, don't get Miles Bridges mad. Right. Because if you get him mad, then then this happens. We saw it in the, the Rising Stars game hey, look, last, man. last this, year. This, this dude was putting on a personal dunk contest today, man. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like Bridges kind of filled that gap that that we presume that Monk, that that boost that Monk, because the Hornets were kind of like milling around until that he got called for that flagrant foul. And then, you know, the, they had this this huge momentum swing, and he was, you know, really the guy off, off the bench to give him that spark. It would have been nice to have him and Monk yeah. uh, doing that. Um, yeah, our, our old friend Vince in the chat says he needed more energy out of uh, PJ and Biz today, man. Like I, I couldn't said it any better, man. Yeah, I mean, also Phoenix. Although I agree with what someone said in the chat, they're a little overrated. Just, but they're still a good team, and they, they're they're still actually, a good team. They're actually a bad matchup for the Hornets. They've got first of all Chris Paul, and then they've got a scoring uh, two guard who is bigger than our backcourt who is very, very difficult to defend. DeAndre Ayton eats up space, gets rebounds. They've got stretch fours. They've got guys who can just come in and hit three. They're a tough, tough matchup uh, for, for the Charlotte Hornets. So, I, you know, I'm not surprised that those guys didn't have great games, but you got to give me more, especially P.J., man. You yeah. have no points in almost, uh, almost 50 minutes played. Uh, you, you can't. And, and look, man, he he's playing forty something minutes, zero for seven, zero points. Now he did have twelve boards today. I do like the way he battled and defended today. I will give him that. You know, undersized against Aiton, it's not a fair matchup. You get what I'm saying? No, yeah. But but it, it just, this is what happens when you have no other options. I mean, Biz was worthless today, dude. Let's call it. Let's call it spade a spade. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, PJ is in a really bad spot. 
but I, but on the defensive end, I thought he was decent today. Offensively, we can't have that, man. I think for the last two weeks, actually, PJ has been pretty good in the role doing the things that we that we all want a big man to come to Charlotte and do. Man, we need a guy who can rebound and play defense. He's been doing that. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, he's um, blocking shots, you know, getting rebounds. Um, that's what we want him to do. But primarily, I think we like his ability to score. Right. He he wasn't able to do that today. Either he wasn't able, or he just wasn't, uh, or he just got taken out of his game. I, I I I don't know. That was a tough one. You know, PJ scored I, one point, and we probably win the game. I just think, man, it's a lot of responsibility, man. You know what I mean? Like moving him to like like this particular game, he was the center, the primary center, of the most of the game today. And I just think it's a lot to try to ask them to contain Aiton, uh, keep Aiton off the boards, protect the rim, and provide scoring force when he's not used to doing all of that force in the first place. Like, right. His natural position, obviously, is to play the four. But when he has to play the five the entire game, then things change a bit. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, it's yeah. all for the Hornets. But I, I'm going to make an outlandish statement here. The Hornets are a good team. And I know that that is – contextual because the Eastern Conference isn't that good. But when the Hornets I mean, the Hornets didn't play great today and they still essentially played the number two team in the Western Conference to a standstill. And if not for with some help from the refs, they might have won that game. Uh, yeah. I, when, the, when the Hornets get that energy going and they're running on all cylinders, man, it is it is great to see, you know, uh, you know, guys Stepping up like Miles Bridges did today. Uh, and I know there's some people in the Facebook group that don't like Miles because he's dating their mother or their sister or something. I don't know <laughs> what that's about. But, you know, Miles is, is kind of like is becoming like a glue guy off the bench. And he may not always score, but he's doing all the dirty work that no one else is doing. He plays far better defense than anyone else on the bench. So it was good to see him uh, come out and get some points. Hopefully he can carry that into uh, the next game. All right. Now, this is not the only game we've had. Now, again, we've been going for two weeks. Um, You know, we're not going to cover every game for the last two weeks. But I did want to talk about the West Coast trip um, a, uh, about a week ago, man. We, we essentially uh, still two on that road trip. And, and actually three, I'm sorry. So I say to myself, hmm, great, because I'm expecting us to get at least one on that road trip. So to get so to so to beat the other uh, Spurs and and of course the Rockets were expected and we got to when we did uh, beat the Kings at home. I'm sorry. So we did get two on the road trip. How are you feeling about that? That we uh, got two on the road trip overall. What's what's the feeling after that? After yeah. that when you look at that schedule and you see that we got two wins out of that, that's a that's a win as far as I'm concerned. Um, especially you come back from the road trip above 500 and still in the fourth spot in the Eastern Conference. Although today with this loss, the Knicks leapfrog us. We flop, flip flop with them. They're yeah. the fourth seed. We're in the fifth seed. No, oh, it, it is important to know that happened after Milwaukee decided to sit half their team out last night. I just wanted to yeah. point that out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good, good job, Bucks. Go figure. But uh, we still, figure. are still actually in the lead for the division. I would love this. And I know this in the NBA winning a division doesn't really mean a whole lot. It really doesn't mean anything because of the way that they seed a division winner. It doesn't mean anything. That's not like, it's not like the NFL, but we've never won a division ever. And to do that this year, I think, would be a big step forward. So, um, uh, but having said that, uh, to go two and three, to come back still above 500, um, and then, you know, be able to perform the way they did um, these last two games, uh, I think is, it, you, you couldn't ask for anything better. I, yeah. it, I mean, I think it's weird that LeBron James, um, uh, magically gets injured after throwing shade at LaMelo Ball on Instagram. <laughs> and then it's like you couldn't get injured before. You Listen, how, how many how many times like back in the in the in the LeBron Heat days where you know he kills us and then like a day later he's out for load management. Like that this yeah, is kind oh, of yeah. like, yeah. like 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 you what? never miss a chance to play against 
a Michael Jordan owned team. Like, like, what does this do? Why is he haunting us so much, man? I don't, I don't understand that, man. But moving on, bro. One, uh, I wanted to get your opinion on something, man. So we beat the Spurs at home during that trip. Gordon Haywood like comes out of his slump that particular game. What do you think is, for lack of a better term, what's wrong with him, man? Why, what, what, what's going on with Gordon Haywood, man? Why are we not getting more out of him? Um, so I think his, I still think his hand is not, is not hundred percent. Yeah, he's been playing with that her hand all season. True, he's had to make adjustments. His shot is kind of flat now because I, I just think that it's that hand's not one hundred percent. Um, also, and, on, and, on, and not to cut you off, man, but no, I also don't see the the same aggressive aggressiveness yes. tonight out. Yeah. So, Gordon, if I have one criticism about his game, is that sometimes he's far too willing to acquiesce to his teammates. I agree. He, he's a really good teammate. Yeah. And in these last few games, where like Terry and Monk have been getting off, Gordon then says, "All right, I'm going to find ways to get them the ball." Right. I don't like that because what you will see from star NBA players is if other guys on the team are getting off, they'll say, okay, now it's my chance because the right. defense is focused on them. So now it's my chance to, to get off. I, I kind of wish Gordon Hayward had that that mentality. He does, he does not. If he sees that Terry Rozier is is lightening up, then he's going to make sure you know he, he's running plays for Terry Rozier and has that in mind. And when you do that, sometimes you take yourself out of your own game. If you're not shooting or being aggressive because you're allowing your teammates to be aggressive, then when it's time for you to be aggressive, you, you can't do it. And we right. kind of needed him to be aggressive uh, today. He can still get to the free throw line, and that's where a lot of his points will come from. But I, I expect he's going to look at some film. You know, JB is going to sit down with him, and they're going to they're gonna figure out, you know, how to fix – uh, Gordon Hayward. I think they're gonna be they're gonna be okay to make a playoff push. Man. Because let me let me tell you something, man. Like you know, there 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 are some wins you say, okay, that that team just didn't have it that night, or the Hornets were just extra hot that night. With, with that win against the Spurs, we beat them. I mean, we beat them at the Spurs' best. The Spurs didn't play bad that night. They yeah. were they were on fire that night, man. So I say that to say we needed every bit of Gordon Haywood's production that particular game, man. And I think if we would have had that Gordon Haywood today, the outcome probably would have been different, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I want to talk about the Spurs game. I was so actually that surprised me. I kind of figured the Hornets would get lucky against uh, one of the L.A. teams mm -hmm. and then drop a close, close one to San Antonio on the road. Um, San Antonio's not what they were, but they're still a Western Conference playoff team. And the Hornets beat them. I'm like, you know, like. I mean, it was <laughs> pretty impressive. Yeah, it, it, it was. And, you know, a lot of people, there are some people in the Facebook group that tried to poo-poo the win. But How? because, you know, it was a close win against a, a seventh-seeded team. But it's like, first of all, San Antonio would have would be a fourth seed going away. Let, let, me, let me say something. I don't give a damn if Spurs were a 14 seed. That is a Greg Popovich coached team, yes. dude. This is the NBA. Yes. Anytime you beat a Greg Popovich coached team, it is impressive to me, man. Yes, absolutely. Plus, you know, I mean, that's that's Borrego's mentor. He, of Definitely. course, he wants to show up for his old coach. That was a, I, I feel like that was a great win, and it was probably the most important win maybe of the last two weeks because – you lose three in a row. You need a win. Yeah, I, yeah. I needed that win. I was I, like, and so you know that win sparks uh, <laughs> you know, a, 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 a three-game winning streak. So, um, so yeah, so uh, a, a good win, and then of course they did what they were supposed to do against Houston. Although <laughs> they, <laughs> I have I have a question for you. So Rick Bennell tweeted that the Houston Rockets are seven and fifty-nine Bobcats bad. Do you agree with that statement? Oh no, not no. No. <laughs> no. Was, you know, I've been watching basketball since nineteen eighty four, since I was a little old kid. And that Bobcats team is I've never seen anything that bad. I'm going to go on record and say nothing will be that bad. No. I don't think anything will ever be that bad again. And no. I don't think I don't think the Rockets 
are necessarily they're they're not devoid of talent. Right. I'll say that. Um, right. So, right. Their starting five is actually really good, and then there's like a massive drop off, and that's what happened in the game. The starting five yeah. they pretty much played the Hornets even, and then when the second units came in, yeah, it was you know it 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 was over. I do yeah. have one. I'm going to levy one criticism about James Borrego about that game. You guys know I love JB and I never criticize him. But um, we knew first of all we knew they would make Houston would make an adjustment. I'm, I'm sorry, not Houston, uh, Miami. I want to talk about the Miami game. Yeah. Uh, we knew Miami would make an adjustment uh, at halftime, and they did. They just came out, and they were just simply more aggressive on defense. Mm-hmm. They switched everything, or or they wouldn't switch, and they would, they would double the ball handler, making him dump off and those things. So Borrego is faced with a, a tough decision at that point because typically when teams are aggressive like that, you are equally aggressive towards the basket, and you kind of force the issue with the referees. Right. Um, but the Hornets were shooting hot. They shot 82% in the second quarter. So I think Borrego was like, okay, let's continue to do what we were doing. Let's shoot the three, try and space the floor, shoot the three against this aggressive defense. And it didn't work. Let me let me, hey, let me me cut you off. Eric Spolster's too good for that, bro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Eric Spolster's way too good of a coach for that. And it didn't yeah. work. So now Borrego's like, oh, crap. Now, you know, now it's, you know, down to a 16-point lead, which is now manageable in the NBA. And so now you start being aggressive towards the basket. The problem is that mm-hmm. now you've already allowed the refs to settle into the game they were going to call. And they right. weren't giving the Hornets the calls that they needed when they were being aggressive towards the basket. And that's what allowed the, the comeback um, yeah. from the Miami Heat. I feel like hey. Borrego had said, okay, guys, dispense with the threes. Let's, if they're Let's gonna play ball. Let's yeah, play ball. Exactly. Yeah. Especially since, this is weird to say, Cody Zeller was out playing Bam out of bio somehow. We had right. seven offensive rebounds. When you got a guy that's hot under the basket like that, just just attack. Hey, hey, you know what? I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up, man. And I'm gonna tell you something that's alarming to me that, that I kind of noticed today. What is what is up with? I don't know what's, what's going on with Cody Zell and Borrego, but I think Cody's kind of in Borrego's doghouse for some reason. And the alarming part to that is Cody's body language. Like he 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 doesn't. Something seems kind yeah, of off. Yeah, Borrego made a comment over the last two weeks. Uh, I'm gonna paraphrase here. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was essentially, look, if you're not trying to win every second, you're not scratching. Some, somehow competing for right, you're not competing. Then you know, essentially, your roster spot's not safe. And if and he said that in the in the, the post game conference after he had pulled and sat Cody Zeller. The thing is, though, I, Cody never gives up. I said this in the group. Cody Zeller be out there cheating death every every, every game. <laughs> You're not gonna get Cody's never not hustling. That's one thing. Yeah, yeah. Cody's right. out there. But I think, um, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I think Cody and kind of JB's doghouse, and mainly because he's just not giving. But here's the thing, man. Here's what puzzles me about this. Like, okay, it's the Rockets, blah, blah, blah. It's And they're the worst team, blah, blah, blah. Cody Zeller played like 10 minutes and and grabbed like six offensive rebounds in the Rockets game. And then JB pulls him and doesn't play him very much the rest of the game. So I'm looking at that. So I'm like, what is really going on between JB and Cody? And then again, going back to this game, Bisbeck Biombo is worthless today, man. I mean, he's yeah. nothing. He gave us absolutely nothing today. Cody doesn't get a lot of minutes today. Now, albeit PJ Washington defended the rim and played defense and did all that stuff you wanted him to do. But at the same time, I'm like, really? Cody's yeah. really buried in the doghouse? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, Danny Thompson says he has he has thought about that. I was, and you know, I was just going to say, maybe one of our guys. Uh, on the inside can give us some some insight into that situation because I mean we all know that Cody Zeller is not the answer for the Charlotte Hornets. Right, right, right. But I, I do feel like you know, we're going to get to in a second. <laughs> yeah, he would be a reliable backup, and in in a lot of ways he's valuable. There's a difference when Cody Zeller plays and when he doesn't play. There, yeah, there, there is. So um, you know, it's it's just hard to know. You know why? What's wrong? I, I will say this: Borrego is a very matchup oriented. Oh, go ahead. 
No, I was just gonna say before you say the 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 the, the thing that's really alarming is the loss of confidence that looks like it's right coming from Cody, and I, that's the part that really that really kind of troubles me. I don't want to see. I don't want to see the same thing happen to Cody, which I think happened to MKG, which he lost all his confidence and now he's out the league. I don't want to see that happen to Zeller. Now, I may be overreacting a bit. Don't get me wrong. I just don't want to go down that road again. That's all I'm well, saying. Man. JB is a very matchup oriented coach. With one of the critics, I don't think this should be a criticism, but does he really have any set rotations? No, he's, no, he's, no. Gonna, he's gonna play the matchup, and I think and, and, that's not, and listen, and to be clear, that's not a bad thing. No, it's not. No, it absolutely. And I think sometimes he just feels like you know we could go like we could go small against Houston, so yeah. in in, right. in order to generate points uh, because Cody is is not a scorer. Also, JV JB is a very developmental coach. You can't develop Cody really. These are. Yeah. He's a journey. He is what he is. At this point, he's, he what, what are you going to teach Cody <laughs> that Porter didn't already instill in him? So, you know, if you whereas if you look at the bulk of the roster, they're JB's guys, which was yeah. always, you know, when JB took over the team. He was like, he's still coaching, coaching Clifford's guys. Now these yeah. are his guys. And yeah. Cody, Cody's not his guy. So, yeah. so. What's, what, look, man, he, he, and this is a good segue to what we're about to talk about, which we, you know, we're going to dive into this whole free agency trade, trade, not free agency, but buyout market uh, 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 trade deadline. Can we talk about Lamelo Ball first? Sure. What you got, man? I'm just, I just up, want to say, I, I miss watching that kid play, and I know uh, more, absolutely. I'll say this: there's been no drop off in the uh, the quality of the Hornets play. We needed Lamelo today. I'll say that much. Yes, man. and they're still entertaining. But man, it's like I, I was, you know, when they're showing Lamelo on the sidelines, like you know, it's, it's, yeah, I'm the same way. I'm like, I'm like, rich, rich dude. I, I, I wish Lamelo was was in the game. Um, you know, especially considering the Hornets have won three straight. You know, I, I want him to enjoy that on the court. But um, I really miss seeing him play. But. I'm, I'm really hoping the Hornets actually put him on the IR, put yeah. him on the inactive list. It will open up a roster spot. There's no reason to risk his future health, even if we make the playoffs. And that, right. I know that's a tough thing. <clears throat> um, you know, if we were to make the playoffs, you know how many people would watch LaMelo Ball in the playoffs? You know, I mean, that's it's money would be lost. But I feel like it's more important to make sure that that wrist is fully 100% healed. And the only way you do that is to sit him for the rest of the season. Absolutely. Rodney, you're jumping in, bro. What's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Uh, the Hornets pissed me off. Uh, <laughs> they, I, I was pissed off when they, they technically did not rule out LaMelo for the rest of the year. Uh, he's going to be reevaluated in four weeks. And then after that point, rehab starts. Uh, it just—I'm tired of the, the uh, actual delusional fans, man. Like, look. Hey, let me cut you off real quick. I was gonna say the one positive I take from Lamelo Ball not playing is we don't have to deal with his damn fans wanting to fire James Borrego because he's not playing them 40 minutes a game. But I digress. Go ahead, Rodney. I mean, um, let me let me ask you this, Rodney. It's very possible, maybe even likely, that the Hornets end up with the fourth of the fifth seed. That's a winnable first-round matchup. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whether it's New York or Atlanta or anybody else, that's winnable. Let's say we do the impossible and make it to the second round for the first time in 20 years almost. Mm-hmm. LaBella Ball would presumably be healthy at that point. Oh, see, I mean, it's it's it, – look. At that point, we're rocking and rolling. The rotations are set. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting because automatically you're going to have his fans. Olamelo's coming back. He needs to start. And Devontae could be averaging 20 and 20 and 8. And it's just <laughs> like they, they're not rational. And I, sometimes I just don't want to – I don't want to put up with it. But, I mean, if, 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 we, but, if, we, if, if, if the first round is close and he's ready to come back, I say give him a few shots off the bench and see how he plays. But I mean, it's imagine his fans 
if he's healthy, like his his wrist is healed, and the Hornets make it to the second round and don't play him, his fans are going to be going crazy. Why aren't y'all playing Lamelo? Especially if they lose the series, which they presumably would, because then they have to play Brooklyn, Philly, or or Milwaukee. So I, I don't know. I, I think that's why Mitch hasn't been uh, committed. He hasn't given a committed answer on the plans for Lamelo Ball. I think, I mean, but 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 also, man, like the Lamelo Ball thing is, is a blessing in disguise because. You get some questions answered about uh, you get some questions answered about Malik and uh, Devonte, essentially for the off season. Uh, do you match both of them? Do you let one go? Uh, this is big. This is big timing. Like the Hornets have the best problem in the NBA. Yep. I mean, it, like how long? How many seasons ago was it that we were crying because we didn't have a backup point guard? It was like Kimba and a bunch of people. It's just, right. just a bunch now, of dudes. Now, now we have three point guards. Now we have three right. point guards, and Malik Monk has finally decided, okay, guys, I'm an NBA player. It only took four seasons, but I'm an <laughs> NBA player. So now we have a, a you know a scoring two guard off the bench. This is a great problem uh, for the Hornets to have. And I, I think Mitch knows that, and I think JB knows that, and that's why I don't think – I'd be shocked. I think that's why there weren't any big trade moves yeah. regarding, you know, that round robin of guards. I think they're going to try and keep all four of them. I'm with you, man. Because here's the thing, man. Malik Monk is a is a restricted free agent. Let, let's let's make that clear. Um, we don't really know what kind of money Devontae Graham is going to command in the offseason. And plus, man, like we're not at the point right now. And, I, and this is the key phrase right now. We're not we're not at the point right now where we're bringing in any superstars as far as trying to, you know, take that next step. So why not try to keep all four of these guards right now? You know what I mean? I think the timing of it just says keep everybody right now. What do you, what do you have to think about that? Uh, look, man. Uh, nowadays, a more more of an emphasis is placed on winning. Uh, you got, you got. Uh, look, I, I'm, I'm gonna be real, man. We're in a smaller market. And I, I'm 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 always of this belief, the clock is ticking. When you have somebody like Lamelo who's showing the superstar ability this early, the clock is ticking. You have to set your team up for the future. You look at Atlanta. This past offseason, Trey Young says, "I'm tired of losing." In you his third at, year. In his uh, yeah. third year, he look. It's a player driven league. You 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 you, you look at Luca in Dallas. Dallas is in his Lucas in his third year. They're putting pieces together to compete now. I said to Trey, Trey, you're tired of losing, you need to play better because he hadn't had a great, he had a great season. He had a great season. There's always that, Trey. Yeah. No, I I feel what you're saying, Rodney, but I do think that one of the things that the NBA doesn't do, teams don't do this anymore, is keep their cores intact. They don't. They'll blow it up to go try and and you know chase la or 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 whoever um and it doesn't I, always work it, it well it, yeah it, it doesn't i mean if you're not top heavy then then what's the point i feel like the Hornets. everyone talked about you know how do the Hornets you know, over the last few years how do the hornets compete in the small mother and then they'd always bring up golden state and san antonio medicine players who didn't want to be there now, now I, I will say this about Golden State in particular. Now, the one thing that I have to give them a lot of credit for is that they have they manage their salary cap like very, very well yeah. because it allowed them to go get a player like Kevin Durant when you already had yeah, Steph yeah. Curry and a Clay Thompson. So that's a plus salary cap management. Now, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, it, it, it also helps to have like. Draft like two of the top fifteen greatest players ever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I think but, but we don't know what Lamelo. I, I, I mean, it's it's hard for me to not be biased, of course. But I look at Lamelo play, and I'm like, they're gonna be talking about him in MVP conversations in a few years. I'm, I yeah. agree. I, yeah. I think he's that kind of talent, man. But guys, we we do have to get to the whole trade deadline and buyout market thing because there's a lot of uh, fans want to talk about that. There's, um, there's nothing to talk about. 
I, I mean, talk about there. <laughs> you don't want to talk about Brad Wanamaker? You don't yeah, want I mean, so, <laughs> I, okay, I'll just say this. <clears throat> if LaMelo hadn't been injured, then the Hornets might have been a little bit more aggressive at the trade deadline. Facts, but facts. LaMelo gets injured. You don't want to mess up any chemistry. Just wait and see the chips fall where they may. You make some salary cap moves. You projected the Hornets are projected to have almost thirty million dollars next year. No big deal. You, it, you use that money to maybe go after someone in the buyout market, you know. But realistically, you know, Andre Drummond uh, signed with the Lakers. Marcus Aldridge signing with the Nets. We knew the big names would go to the big teams. And, and, and even on top of that, uh, Gorgie uh, Dang signs with the Spurs. So even though, you know, yeah, even. And, and, and the crazy thing is, we weren't even mentioned as a suitor for Gorgie Dang. That's interesting. That's now, very interesting. I want to I want to ask you guys a question, man. Mitch Kochek came out and said, you know, that there was temptation to make a big splash, which, which kind of alludes to the fact that there was an opportunity to do so. But he said he resisted that temptation to quote unquote look at the bigger picture. What does that mean to y'all? Look, it means going back to what 2017, 2018, when there were talks of us getting Mark Gasol and Mitch kind of backed out and looked at the bigger picture. Well I'm which I'm so glad he did. And and and, and we ended up with PJ Washington. People forget, yeah. It's funny, it's great that you bring that up. People forget. Those small, it's the moves you don't make sometimes. And uh, a lot of people were upset we didn't make that Gasol move because they felt like uh, that means Kimba is is gone. And the Hornets are in a better place now than they were then or would have been if we had picked up Mark Gasol. Right. So, yeah, I, I think what he meant by that statement was that he's like, we got a, we got a good young core. Mm-hmm. Why mess it up? Okay, because you know, teams out there, we know who they want. They want Terry. They want Miles. They Malik. want Hunk. Yep, those three guys. Miles, you could probably. I would make a case. Was, I would make the case. Miles is the most expendable. He's the most expendable, but even that, you have to make sure you get somebody that can do right. what Bridges does. Okay, right. I, I don't know. What I'm talking about. Even Duncan or all that, Miles does the dirty work off the bench. So you got to get a dirty work guy. What are you getting back in return? Right. If all we're getting back is a big man who all we need him to do is rebound and sit in the paint, is that worth it? It's certainly right. not giving him no. not Pharaoh's year and probably not Miles Bridge. And plus, and here's the thing about the whole upgrading center thing. It, it's obvious. Look, that I'm nobody's arguing that we don't need an upgraded center. There's nobody on this show that would say otherwise. But at the same time, you have to understand and 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 kind of kind of keep in mind what are you willing to give up as far as a, a trade goes. You get what I'm saying? And it's like, no, there, there's not a center upgrade that's going to take the, the Hornets to the Eastern Conference Finals all of a sudden, man. So unless there's that kind of opportunity, man, you have to be really, really smart about how you go about uh, uh, getting that upgraded center. And why do fans think that centers want to come here and suddenly be a fourth option? Because that's what you would be. People are like, man, Andre Drummond, you know, when they, they announced it, the Hornets were on his short list. It's like what that, that Kaza, keep in mind. Look, being the fourth option on the Lakers is way different than way, being the exactly. on the Hornets. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah, what what's your pitch to Andre Drummond? Hey, we know that you know you could score 20 a game and get 15 rebounds, but we don't we don't need you to actually score. We just need you to get rebounds and block shots. Well, come play for us. No, he don't want to do that, and that's probably why uh, a guy like Dang didn't why does, why does he want to come to the Hornets? He's not even like an elite tier caliber player, so he certainly wouldn't be anything. Hell, he might even be the fifth option if he came here to play for Charlotte. So I, I personally, I kind of feel like we need to see how Richards and Carey pan out after this season. After this season. Because regardless of what y'all think, and when I say y'all, I mean fans, Nick Richards and Vernon Carey are not ready yet. Not Calm ready. down. Not They're ready. not ready. Yep. Why not? I mean, look how we developed 
Devontae, and although PJ didn't even end up going to the G League, but the intent was him to go to the G League, but he yep. ended up being more NBA ready than we thought. How these guys, these guys played in the G League, they did well. They developed some, I'm sure. They're going to have a great offseason. They're going to grow some. They might have a summer league. And then they come back next season, and then now we have a natural seven-footer, which I love natural seven-footers. We got a natural seven-footer. See where he stands rather than – I mean, a guy like Dang, I mean, he would have been very valuable to the Hornets, but how, how do we convince him to come in essentially be a statue in the paint? Yeah. You know, so – yeah, and, and it's all, it is it is very important to note that Mitch Kupchak came out and said this morning that as far as the Hornets are really participating in the whole buyout market is pretty much slim to none. So uh looks like we are probably gonna ride it out uh at, at least this season. And also there to be clear, and also just think about this, Mitch Kupchak, as far as his Lakers tenure and his Hornets tenure, he is not a GM that typically makes moves during the season he does his work in the off season so i know fans don't want to hear this but be patient i think our work is going to be done in the off season also um, unless you get a superstar mid-season trades in the nba don't they never amount to anything unless uh you know jimmy butler to the heat and Kawhi leonard to the raptors but those guys are superstars other if you're talking about moving like small pieces when was the last time mid-season trade led uh, you know, to to anything big for a mid market team, it just it doesn't. I, I have we're we're gonna go on this point, but I but Rodney, I really want your opinion on this one and Kaiser too. <laughs> but I have an unpopular opinion, man. <laughs> I think Chicago got fleeced, and I'm gonna tell y'all why. I'm gonna tell you why. Now, would I love Vucevic and Charlotte? Absolutely, hell yeah, I'd love Nick Vucevic and Charlotte. Would I have given up two first-round picks for Nick Vucevic? Hell no. Especially if I am the the ninth or tenth seed, whatever they are. Exactly. Yeah. Hell no. If you're Philly or Milwaukee, okay, right. yeah, because you're picking like twenty second. You're the Chicago Bulls. Are you crazy? Two first-round picks. I, I'm sorry, man. And, and look, this this is why I bring this up. This is why I bring this up in particular. Because there were national talking heads on, on TV talking about, well, I like the fact that they're wanting to win now instead of setting up for the future. And I'm thinking to myself, like, does Nick Vucevic put them in the Eastern Conference Finals all of a sudden? Yeah. Like, are, are they, like, in the conversation with the Brooklyn Nets all of a sudden? I, and I just they're eight would killed if we would have made a move like that. That's where I'm yeah. coming from with this, man. Like, like that to me, man. That that's that's interesting. Uh, that move to me was to entice uh, Zach Levine to kind of stay all in and committed and stay right. because I, I know he's a free agent next year. Yeah, but I mean, Chicago still has problems. I mean, look, they they have no paint protection. Uh, Vooch plays D, but he's not a, a rim protector, and then they, they they don't have a natural point guard, so. There, there, there's there's still gonna be problems there. Probably White, I think he might develop. And, uh, he's not a point guard to me. He, he's more they, of a combo guard. He's a scoring yeah. guard. Yeah, six men off the bench. But I mean, Chicago's Chicago quite interesting, man. Hey, look, it's, I, it's, I will. I'll say this: the Hornets need to avoid the seven seed. Yes, absolutely. Hell you yeah! Want, you do not want to play Chicago. Chicago, Chicago, looking like they will be the tenth seed, so they would play the seventh seed in the playing game. And it boy, it would really sting to be the seventh seed and then lose to a Chicago team that's suddenly getting this chemistry and you know lose your playoff spot to the tenth seed. So to be honest with you, we need to stay at fourth and fifth because I don't want to play the top three seeds. I don't I don't want to play any of the teams in the playing games because I, I don't like the I understand the, the why they went to the playing game. Because you know, in the Eastern Conference, there's no separation between, you know, the last four seeds. But I don't like it because you could be a seventh seed. You could be a seventh seed with a 10-game lead over the eighth, and then you lose one game. One game. And, 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 and now yeah. you're fighting for the for the eighth seed. Now you got to play the ninth seed. And, and if you lose that game, you're out of the playoffs. A two-game losing streak. And, 
you know, with a five game leading, you're out of the playoffs. I don't like it. So yes, the Hornets need to essentially stay in that fourth and fifth range. Sixth is okay because you don't do the playoff game playing game, but then you gotta play the Bucks. Gotcha. gotcha. All right. So guys, we have one extra long one horns today, and I kind of did that by design because next up is our beloved not having back-to-back winning seasons, Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers, uh, the big free agent, I will, eh, I'll, I'll say big free agent that they signed is Hassan Reddick. Uh, they also signed Dan Arnold and a couple of other guys. Um, I have a simple question to ask, guys. Do we really know what the Panthers are doing this offseason? It doesn't impress you at all. Um, It looks like they're helping that defensive side of the ball. I like Reddick on the other side of uh, – I do like Reddick. Uh, right, on the other yeah. side of Burns, yeah. And, I mean, he had 12 sacks last year. Yeah. And it, he had one sack – one game with like five sacks. But if you take away that one game with five sacks, he's still the second leader sack, sack guy on the team. Yeah. So, I mean, we we, we needed that. Uh, Cam, Cam Irving, um, I'm impartial. I, I got to see him play. Yeah. Uh, we I, 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 honestly, what, what pissed me off is we let Mike Davis go for pennies and to not to, to the Falcons. Don't leave Falcons. that part out. And we could have easily re resigned him. And I, I'm I'm I, honestly, man, look, you you guys know how I feel about running backs. I'm just concerned with Christian McCaffrey's health in the long term because we keep feeding him the ball. I mean, we, yeah. he, he's going to have to be spelled. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, I think the intent was to resign Mike Davis, you know, because McCaffrey restructured his contract to free up cap space, and it, it just didn't work out. I think Mike Davis feels like he should be the starting, you know, back, and he will probably be that uh, in Atlanta. But I, I do think that uh, the Hassan Reddick pickup was actually a good one. I mean, what's the two most important positions in the NFL? Quarterback, defensive end. Yeah, you, you short up your defensive end. And Brian Burns is not going to have to face as many double teams. Um, you know, we got Derrick Brown. Will probably, hopefully, going to take a big step next season. Um, you start in the trenches. That's really how you build a championship team. Yep. Start in yep. the trenches, and if you can't find what you need on the offensive line side of the ball, then you go to the defensive line side of the ball. And I think they they've kind of shored that up. I think those were were good moves uh, by the Panthers, particularly because they can't find uh, a replacement for the most important position. Right. Well, I, I, I will say I, I will say they did upgrade upgrade the linebacker position, which wasn't very hard to do. Uh, they did bring in uh, Dale Perryman, who I would probably take over anybody over Shaq Thompson, to tell you the truth. Um, <laughs> now, one 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 head scratcher I will say was the offensive lineman that they picked up, and the head scratcher comes from the little bit of research I did. Uh, PFPB, um, help me out, fellas. Um, had the two offensive linemen that we picked up rated pretty low amongst starting offensive linemen, man. So that was just a real. Head scratcher, and I'm just wondering: are are is Fitterer kind of trusting Matt Rule to work his magic or something like that? What do you guys think about that? I mean, it 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 it, it could be a, a scheme issue, schematic issue, right? But um, I mean, look, we got to wait and see, man. Like last year, last year, I, I don't put too much stock in anything. Last year, I mean, that was a weird, a weird ass year. COVID, yeah. like 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 the NBA bubble, I don't put too much stock in that. So I, I, I'm in I'm in wait and see mode, but man, what one one signing that I did like, man, was that Morgan Fox kid. Morgan Fox, I was about to say, I like that move. Um, I think that this is just uh, these are just moves to stack bodies. Yeah, For, with the offensive line, the, actually, the most important thing about offensive line is not individual players, unlike a defensive line where you can have. One player makes such a huge impact, um, you know, statistically and on the game. I think with the offensive line, it's more important to have a unit. If you look at the, the few times in the Panthers' history that our line was good, 
it wasn't ever really like one guy. I mean, you had Jordan Rose, that, but to, 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 for lack of a better term, there wasn't a bunch of big names on there. Right, yeah, yeah. It was right. A That's unit. And so good point. The way you, you figure that out is if you just have a bunch of bodies you throw in there, plus offensive linemen get hurt maybe more than any other position. You're going to have to have bodies. I expect them to just kind of stack up on offensive linemen and then during the training camp to preseason, see who shakes out. See yeah. who's the most cohesive unit and move forward with that. Yeah, no, no doubt, man. I'm gonna tell you uh, one signing that I I, I want to keep a close eye on this upcoming season is David Moore. Um, mm. David Moore, who was a wideout for the uh, C- Seattle Seahawks. Now you got to understand he's playing behind uh, two really good wide receivers in, in, in Seattle, man. And he's coming here. He's automatically the number three guy with Curtis Samuel leaving now. So I'm gonna keep an uh, eye out on him, man, and just to. Kind of see, you know, how he performs in that spot. I think, I think he'll be solid. Yeah, uh, you can't come from a culture like Seattle and not bring some of that here uh, with you. Um, yeah. Now you want you don't have Russell Wilson throwing to you. you got, right. You got old two gloves, so you got to move closer to the yeah. line of scrimmage and yeah. routes. Look, look, man, I, you know, it's only our show. I'm not going to spend too much time on this, man. But it's looking more and more like Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the starter for the Carolina Panthers, man. I, I just kind of look, look, man, I'm 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 a look, I'm gonna bring up a comment, man. And that San Francisco trade, man, look. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if, 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 look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell the front office something. If you're watching the show, if, if if you reach for a quarterback and you're not 100 percent sold, that's your guy. Fuck it, sign somebody else. Sign yeah. somebody draft else. Somebody else. Draft somebody else. And I'm gonna tell you. And I'm gonna tell you who they should draft, man. I've been on this man's train all off season, man. And it comes out that he ran something like a four four forty or something like that. My man, Micah Parsons, man, from uh out of Penn State, dude. That's my guy. Okay. 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 It, it listen and listen, and this is me admitting this. It might even be a reach to take him at eight, but one thing you don't teach is speed, brother. And I, I'm always a big fan of uh, linebackers who can who who can go north and south pretty quickly, man. So I'm a fan, bro. Yeah, plus I mean, a linebacker to kind of challenge Shaq Thompson's place on the team. I'm with it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and look, and, and this is just important to note. I'm not saying anything will happen. I'm not making predictions. Just know that not not going into this season, but the next offseason, Shaq Thompson will be an 11 million dollar cap hit. That's all I'm saying. I'll just, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. All right, moving on. <laughs> Our illustrious uh, Incoming MLS team has uh, made a charitable donation. They will be putting soccer fields all along Charlotte. Uh, don't want to spend too much time on this since we're running out of time anyway. Kaz, I kind of want to uh, let you spearhead this conversation, man. What do you uh, feel about that? A goodwill move, considering yeah. they haven't even played. <laughs> considering that we haven't seen much of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we haven't even played a single game. And people are already down on the franchise. So this, I think, is a, a bit of a, a goodwill move from Tepper. Um, this could go a long way into um, rebuilding East Charlotte as long as it skirts the edge of gentrification. This is, some, this is something to, to, to look at. Um, and, and is it just going to be like, okay, we just put this soccer field here and, and then they just fire and forget? They, they can't do that. They actually have to be part of the communities that they build these facilities uh, in. And if if Tepper doesn't have local people in on that, then he needs to. That's who he needs to hire. You can't hire the marketing people from other states that are not from Charlotte and don't understand the demographics here. Um, so it's going to be one one to watch. I like the move, but it. I, I hope it's just not uh, you know a shallow move. Yeah, right, right, right. Ryan, you got anything? Oh, man, it's, 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 this is a good thing, man. Soccer is becoming more popular in the U.S. Uh, like Kaiser mentioned, it, uh, to me, this is a goodwill move. I mean, the negative publicity from the ticket prices to uh, the lack of visibility in the community, uh, maybe this is a step in the right direction to to actually being more inclusive and in, 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 in getting a, a good name out in the community. So, uh I'm 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 just looking forward to the next move from the ML, ML, MLS franchise. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, man, the, the the first question I had when when I saw this news about them concentrating on putting these fields in East Charlotte, y'all y'all know what I'm about to ask. So why the hell couldn't the damn headquarters just be in East Charlotte? Like like this show has suggested multiple times. Like, let me tell you why, man. South Carolina, South, Carolina, South Carolina. Look, it's my home state where I was born. <laughs> South Carolina will offer you their arm, the leg, the firstborn. For you to put something there, I mean, they I swear, they, man. They, they 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 have tax write off cutoffs, and then like if you even if you look at the Eastland site, man, city council they always bumping heads with it, and it's just like, do I really want to deal with that shit? I mean, at the end of the day, like Tampa made it's, the best decision for him. So so with that being said, how long is the damn Eastland Mall site just going to be a damn eyesore on East Charlotte? So yeah. until twenty eighty. <laughs> what you got, man. Yeah, uh, I just, like I said, this is a, an opportunity. I, I hope they don't they don't squander. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they don't squander it. I mean, the headquarters should have been on, maybe not even the old Eastland Mall site, but there's actually a lot of places. Yeah. There's a lot of land, um, you know, because East Charlotte used to have a lot of commerce, and that commerce is no mm -hmm. longer there. So you have no doubt. parking lots. Remember the Uptons? On Almar Road, that's a Absolutely. huge, huge chunk of land across the street from Eastland Mall. That I mean, dude, something. look, look, look no further than up and down Independence Boulevard, man. I mean, yeah, come I, on, dude, they could do a lot with it. It's so sad, man. Look but, at that. So, so, so the question is, is this just something they're doing just to like appease people and do goodwill, or, or do they really want to invest in? The East Charlotte community and make it better. Uh, uh, well, look, this this is this is Jamal's cynical side coming out, man. I don't believe capitalists do anything for goodwill, man. Yeah, especially yeah. not Tepper. Yeah. I mean, and that's not even a shot at Tepper. That's just a shot at all billionaires, honestly. In reality. Right, right. But anywho, man, uh, we have come to the conclusion of this week's episode, man. What's up with shout outs, shout ats, or just some parting shots? Who wants to go first? I'll go. Um, today was the first race of the Formula One season for this year, and uh, Lewis Hamilton won the the opening race. Um, and a lot of people actually thought that he would not, and he did. And honest, I'll be honest, he'll probably win an eighth championship this year, which would be unprecedented that, that that would be the record in formula one he'd be the greatest motorsports driver of all time so like i say every time i talk about lewis hamilton i mean it's cool to see a black dude winning races so Absolutely. yeah so so good on that also carolina hurricanes had a freaking awesome game last night against uh tampa bay tampa. Man, yes sir i watched what, it man. what a good game y'all different uh, I mean that was that was it was a good game. Really I mean, you had, you had the, the 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 crazy Hornets game, uh, the my the Miami Heat game, and then you had the the Tampa Hurricanes game. It was um, a good weekend on that front. But the Hurricanes are we're gonna have to start talking about them again, you know, during their Stanley Cup run. Yeah, just like just like we did a few uh, two years ago. They look like they're probably to make a championship run. So y'all keep Hurricanes, yes sir, Rodney, Rodney, what you got? Yeah, man. So. It's not a shot at or shout out. It's a caution. It's, 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 it's to perceive a caution. So mm -hmm. uh, Cooper opened up the capacity <laughs> and everything a little more. Yeah, part of time. <laughs> it's not part of time. Corona is over. <laughs> Corona's not over. <laughs> Sit your behinds down. Get the shot. Just chill out and 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 and. and Pick your look. Pick your spots. <laughs> you don't. You don't have to do everything. Just kind of pick your spots and be safe, man. Oh man, I got a shot. I shot at. Shot at to Georgia, man. Those yeah. laws you you, you place. Uh, Ryan Kemp, you are a straight sucker. Straight sucker, man. Like, look. Say, look. I I, I told friends that Georgia is going to face the same backlash. That we did in North Carolina after North Carolina turned blue in 2008. Mm -hmm. So you gotta you gotta kind of weather the storm, fight back, and and and, and if, if we have to boycott Atlanta, we gotta do what we gotta do. And I don't know, man. Them wings good, man. <laughs> I'm joking. Go ahead. Man. I boycott Atlanta. I boycott everything having to do with. Hey, man. Atlanta. 
Look, man, I'm a single man. I never boycott Atlanta. I probably live there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right, so, man, by the way, speaking of Atlanta, it's 328. Hey, happy 328. Hey, Danny. Hey, Danny. Hey, Danny. Hey, happy Sunday, brother. Hey, Pallad. Pallad, if you're there, man. Happy 328, brother. Happy Sunday, man. Happy Sunday, y'all. Um, to my shout outs, man, uh, first and foremost, man, shout out and rest, not shout out, but rest in peace, Elgin Baylor, man, El, yeah. uh, Elgin Baylor, man, God bless him working for the Clippers, but that's not what he's remembered for. He should be remembered for being, uh, for hiring, for having the third highest scoring average in NBA history. I just wonder why that is not talked about more. He Look, he was the first star in LA. Yeah. The first Lakers star in LA. Yep. And he, he never got his respect to do just do. And never got his respect for being a social justice warrior, man. He did a lot back back then as well as on that front, man. So rest in peace, Elgin Baylor. Uh, most importantly, though, rest in peace, my grandmother, uh, which is why I was out last week, man. Uh, just love my Darby family, man. Much love to everybody who sent text messages and phone calls and all that good stuff, man. I needed all of them. And so thank you to all people who gave me a shout out last week, man. So, but we don't want to end this on a somber note. Thank you to everybody in the chat room, man. Y'all don't know how much we appreciate y'all every week. Y'all make the show a lot more fun than it already is. Hopefully we will be back in the house pretty soon. Hint, hint, wink, wink. <clears throat> yeah, as soon as I get my shots. <laughs> I got one down, one more to go. But also, man, look, look. If, if, if you if you're in the NBA Top Shot, check out an interview I, I did earlier this week. Yes, that was a shout great Shout out to Rodney, man. That was excellent yeah. work, brother, man. Y'all check out Rodney's interview with uh, Top Shot, man. And if y'all don't know anything about Top Shot, just know it's the next wave coming, man. About to make me spend some money. I was watching that like. Hmm. I got to take my confirmation email. Yeah, hey, man. I, I got man. I, I got a Tyler Hero car, man. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Out of 2000, it's number 159. It's a special edition. I am holding on to that SOB. <laughs> All right, fellas, man. I'm going to get out of here, man. I got to go holler at Red Man real quick, man. But uh, hey, Sammy, I'm going to make you, man. Peace out. Peace out,